Now here's a quote from Chitranjan Das in a letter to Lala Lajpat Rai. I am not afraid of seven crores of Muslims here in Hindustan, but I think the seven crores of Hindustan plus the armed hosts of Afghanistan, Central Asia, Arabia, Mesopotamia and Turkey will be irresistible. Here's a clear statement from Das expressing skepticism about uh, the Khilafat and its pan-Islamist dimension. He was in fact a forceful opponent of pan-Islamism. The quote above from Chitranjan Das that I gave earlier shows that he was also a very pragmatic man. He was clearly talking in terms of dealing with Muslims rather than flighty Hindu-Muslim unity fantasies. Which brings us to the issue of the Bengal Pact of 1923. Now, within the Congress, there was opposition not only to uh, the Khilafat liaison, but also the idea of non-cooperation itself. These two issues were working in the politics of the time parallelly. A whole lot of people who opposed non-cooperation perceived prominent leaders like Annie Besant, G.S. Karpade, Bipin Chandrapal, Surendranath Banerjee, Tej Bahadur Sapru, Madan Mohan Malviya. They left the party subsequently. Telak had already passed away by this time in August 1920. He also believed in what was termed responsive cooperation and was not a buyer of Gandhi's non-cooperation. Chitranjan Das was firmly in this camp. He advocated a thing called internal obstruction, also known as council entry program, which proposed gaining entry into the legislatures with a view to offering uniform, continuous and consistent obstruction to the government on vital issues. Though strongly opposed to the British and an advocate of the ancient Indian way of life, he as a matter of fact rejected ideas of political and economic development of India along western lines. But Government of India Act was a great opportunity. It gave some important areas of governance to Indians like agriculture, local government, health and education, all of which were uh, critical subjects for Indians. Now the problem in Bengal, religious demography, with Muslims 54% and Hindus 44% and as the posts were supposed to be elected councils. This was a peculiar problem in Bengal as well as Punjab. Punjab also had round about the same proportion of Muslims to Hindus. But there was also the factor of cultural bonds of Hindu Bengalis with Muslim Bengalis and Hindu Punjabis, naturally with Sikh Punjabis but also with Muslim Punjabis. And I will come to this point a little later. Unless one takes a stand like Jinnah that there cannot be any middle ground and no solution possible except partitioning the country. The singular recourse available uh, to the leaders that time was figuring out ways for the two communities to work together to arrive at a functional arrangement. Sarvesh Tiwari types and Shankar Sharan, even Sitaram Goel, keep going on and on about what Muslims are like. Look at their book, look at their ideology, look at the past. We know all that. Neither is the Islamic doctrine nor are Muslims going to go away. Muslims will continue to be a turbulent minority and a violent majority. And Muslim subnationalism will also always be there. The 
problem with these ideologues is that when they have ridden long enough on their ideology, they don't know what to do when they land on terra firma. You cannot wish away Muslims with Hindutva ideas. It is not that Shitranjan Das thought, as Tiwari claims, that freedom cannot be won without Muslims. Das doesn't say this at any point. Reality is, however, that Muslims are there and you have to manage this demography. Hindutva to bahut jarli. Ab aage, ke root ke they have no plan how to achieve this united greater India. They just dream about it. Now in Bengal, though majority population was of Muslims, political power rested with the Hindus. All the educated, enlightened and empowered people were Bengali Hindus. The political and social life was dominated by them. This equation is what was threatened with the Government of India Act. The Hindus had to retain their position of dominance faced with this new prospect of electoral politics. The Bengal Muslim League was created at the behest of the British. Bose was not wrong about division created by British because he was not talking in some ideal terms but what actually happened at the time of Bangabang. Viceroy Curzon partitioned Bengal on this pretext of providing rep greater representation to Muslims and it was favoured by them since it gave them a Muslim majority region in the eastern half and they would have catapulted to power due to sheer numbers. So, in December 1923, the Bengal Pact was drawn up which made significant concessions towards the Muslim community, some of which appeared disadvantageous to Hindus but these were not extravagant considering that they were proportionate to their population. This is the basis of democracy. Even if Hindus kept power in their hands, it would have left discontent festering, which boiled over at times in the form of riots, and which gave the British the opportunity to create permanent fault lines. And don't please try to say that they did not do so, they definitely did. The idea was to give Muslims a fair representation to form a federation of Muslims and Hindus, to come together and cooperate so that the question of partition did not arise. Das wanted to integrate them rather than having two hostile demographies perpetually at war. He therefore opposed the idea of separate electorates, which eventually became the basis of partition. But this was outvoted by Hindus because they feared they would be outnumbered in most constituencies. But it is foolish to evaluate the provisions of the Bengal Pact against today's considerations based on what has already happened, that's the partition, rather than in the backdrop of those times when partition was merely a prospect that most people were not even ready to look at. The Bengal Pact therefore addressed head on some of the flashpoints that had been the cause of violence and riots in the past, like playing of music, processions, slaughter by Muslims, language, etc. It was not a woolly-headed dream of bhaichara or appeasement. It was a straightforward deal, point for point, addressing the issues between the two communities at the level of the leadership. Both had some and both had to concede some. A section of Hindus protested that time against the provisions, 
like there was one provision uh, whereby Muslims were assured that their practice of cow slaughter on Eid will not be hindered and in return slaughter will not be practiced in any way offending to Hindu sensibilities. This allowance aroused the indignance of Hindus. Though again this was a bit of a futility since in British India cow slaughter was as it is legal. Large scale slaughter was carried out to cater to uh, Europeans and for supplying to the army. It made no sense imposing bans only on Muslims and for that one day. Besides, it was not an extraordinary concession since there were such compromises at other places too. For example, there is a precedent from Ayodhya in 1915, there a similar agreement was formalized between Hindus and Muslims and the latter agreed to carry out their butchery practice beyond a place called Jalpanala which marked the periphery of the city. And the proportion of Muslims in Ayodhya is far less than in Bengal. Moreover, the Bengal pact specified that except on the occasion of Eid al-Adha, no cow slaughter will take place out of respect for India's Hindu community and this was accepted by the Muslims. Yet uh, the Bengal pact did evoke outrage from some quarters and finally the National Congress did not pass it. But it brought tremendous support of the Muslims to the Swaraj party and made the Muslim League redundant in Bengal. In the bargain, the dominant position in the provincial council and in Bengal politics was retained by the Hindus in spite of absolute Muslim majority. Losing this would have been a far greater loss because until that time Muslim League had no representation among the population. They were insignificant. This is the reason Suravardi, whose father was one of the founding members of Muslim League, had joined the Cong uh, Swaraj party instead. Was the experiment successful? Like how? Unlike the Khilafat fiasco, Swaraj party's success at the provincial legislative council was remarkable, winning majority seats in the councils in 1924. The Swarajists also captured power in the Calcutta Municipal Corporation and Das became the first popularly elected mayor of Calcutta. This was when Subhash Post was appointed CEO of Calcutta. Swaraj party inflicted repeated defeats on the government on vital issues and ensured the demise of British bureaucracy in its earlier form in Bengal. Not only did they win hands down, they managed to keep Bengal in remarkable peace and communal harmony for the next two to three years. In a time when scores of Hindu-Muslim riots would happen all over the country each year. And in spite of the Bengal pact being defeated by the Congress, Hindu-Muslim cooperation continued attested by many contemporary accounts. Even after Chitranjan Das's death, in the beginning of the 1926 riots, we find Muslim leaders like Suravardi participating in pacification campaigns. By the middle of the year, however, he had turned so virulently communal that the government was considering externing him. So look at Chitranjan Das's ingenuity and discernment that he managed to keep such extreme tendencies going together for almost three years without friction. Tiwari says that as the CEO of Calcutta Corporation, Subhash Pose outdid Chitranjan Das, who had only proposed 55% communal reservation, 
that too in Muslim majority districts, which Calcutta was not. Subhash Bose appointed in Calcutta Corporation 25 Mohammedans out of 33 vacant posts, not on the grounds of any merit, but for their creed. First of all, Subhash Bose was CEO of Calcutta for barely two to three months. Moreover, this was not his doing. It was a clause in the Bengal Pact itself that until the 55% strength in appointments was achieved, 80% would be earmarked for Muslims in Calcutta only to make up for the overall deficiency in Bengal because in the countryside there were hardly any educated Muslims. They constituted largely the poor peasantry. Bose was just explaining the official position since the Bengal Pact had been passed by the Bengal Provincial uh, Congress Committee. This is not the same as appeasement today which is disproportionate privileges as post-independence governments have been doing, including your Hindutva heroes. In fact, the Bengal Pact laid down clearly that no religious community will be given undue preference, no government or public funds will be devoted to any religious institution or purpose. Now, you can keep imagining an ideal prospect according to Hindutva, but have we been able to take off even the loudspeakers of the mosques till date? You haven't been able to rectify the situation after most Muslims leaving India after 70 years of independence, of which around one and a half decades were of your beloved Hindutva governments. And you are singling out Chitranjandas, who was faced with a 55% Muslim majority population. He did not believe in the composite culture, Mirage. He just had a task at hand. He was a remarkably clear-sighted, practical, yet a constructive uh, man. He is still widely regarded in Bangladesh. They mark his anniversary every year. In fact, uh, from the events, it becomes clear that in Bengal, the fragile communal situation was hinged on the personality of Chitranjan Das alone. The first major riots in Bengal happened after his death, the 1926 riots. Sarvesh Tiwari puts undue emphasis on these riots to prove God knows what point. Riots have been a regular feature of the Hindu-Muslim relationship since 18th century. To give an idea of the situation that time, since 1923, there were over 100 riots officially recorded, clustered mainly around Bombay, Punjab, Delhi, the United Provinces and Bihar, out of which 31 had been counted from the beginning of 1926 till 22nd August of that year when this particular series of riots began in Bengal. 91 riots were there between 1923 and 1927 in Uttar Pradesh alone. So what are you even talking about? In fact, a red sheet uh, that was uh, being circulated during the 1926 Bengal riots called to memory several previous recent riots in Kohat, Ludhiana, Meerut, Saharanpur, Ajmer, Kanpur, Lucknow, Allahabad and Calcutta. So, I don't know what really is the point proven here. If indeed partition was not acceptable as an option, the only other option was accepting a workable compromise that ensured mutual coexistence and peace. This entailed a hard-headed, honest look at the differences, sensitivities, triggers and to develop a scope of cooperation. This is what the Bengal Pact did and the Lucknow Pact of 1916 proposed to do. This cannot happen from a rigid ideological position. 
fact is even until this time most people did not could not conceive of a partition of india